0: Um, We are in a uh, three-week series on giving, and what a blessing it is to to be able to give to the Lord and to honor Him uh, with our finances. And just a quick recap of what we talked about last week. Uh, We talked about the fact that the tithe is a test from God. It's a a test of who we're going to thank when we get paid. It's this biblical principle that's found throughout Scripture that, that God talks about a lot, and We read about how God tells us to bring the tithe into the storehouse and that we bring our tithe rather than give it because it's not ours to give, it's His. Uh, So, our tithe is to be um, brought to the storehouse, but it's also to be the first and the best. And uh, what we talked about, what that means, is that what we do with our money, what we do with our treasure, reveals what's inside of our heart. It's evidence of what's going on inside of us. And I believe that that is what God really cares about. So I ended with the question last week, do you believe that God can do more with your 90% than you can do with 100? So um, if you missed that message, you can go online, you can watch it, you can get caught up. Uh, But I really believe that it's important for us to understand um, the scriptural basis of giving before we kind of talk about the practical side of giving, and we're going to do a little bit of both today. Um, But I got a a joke this morning because, you know, this can be a heavy topic, and so it's nice to kind of lighten the mood a little bit. So a priest, a rabbi, and a televangelist are sitting around talking about how they handle the money that's been given to their church. Some of you are like, I'm already offended. (laughs) The priest says, at the end of the week, I make a line on the floor. I take all the money in the donation box And I throw it in the air, and whatever lands on the left is for God and the church, and whatever lands on the right side is for me. The rabbi says, oh, I actually do something similar. At the end of the week, I draw a big circle on the floor. I throw the donation money in the air. Whatever lands in the circle is for God and the temple, and whatever lands on the outside of the circle is for me. Well, the televangelist perks up, and with his thick... Southern drawl, he says, Y'all, I do something similar too. At the end of the week, I throw all of the donation money in the air, and whatever God catches, he keeps. (laughs) Now, I say that jokingly because the church has a complicated relationship uh, with money, even from the very beginning, as we're going to look at this morning. And one of the marks of the the early church was actually their generosity. And and before we get into that this morning, I just want to say this. Listen, we joke around a little bit, but I'm very hesitant to be critical of other ministries. And I think that other Christians should maybe follow that pattern too. That we're very quick to criticize and judge other people. and, and, And I honestly think sometimes we ought to give people the benefit of the doubt sometimes. And so let's not look at... Like what is wrong with everybody else in the church and what they're doing wrong? Let's worry about what we are responsible for. Let's let's honor the Lord with what God has entrusted us with, and let's let Him be the judge of what everyone else is doing as well. That doesn't mean that there hasn't been some disasters in the church and some things that are are horribly wrong, and, and I want you to know that I am aware of that, and I and I know that that has been the case, but I believe that that there are far more examples of how how people have been faithful with what God has entrusted them with. In fact, we read in Acts chapter 2. This is right from the beginning of the early church. It says, "...and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes." And they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Now, some people would say this is a directive as to how the church is supposed to operate. We're supposed to all sell our stuff, move into a commune, eat all our meals together. And uh, some of you are like, I'm out. (laughs) No, I don't think that's the intent of this passage here. This wasn't typical even in the church. This was in Jerusalem in a period of time. Where the church was poor, they were outcasts, and they were under severe persecution. And so rather, um, it speaks to the heart of what the believer should have inside of them. And how we should care about each other enough to give anything for each other. Speaks to the value of the local church and, and the believer's responsibility to that church. Now things weren't perfect in the early days, however... Uh, in fact, it takes another two chapters before we see the whole, the real problems start to happen uh, with finances. In fact, Ananias and Sapphira, they, they hear about this, this guy who gives this generous gift. He sells his property. He brings it and lays it at the feet of the disciples, and he gets a lot of attention for that. And they're like, you know what? It would be nice if we got that attention. We have some property we can sell to. And so they sold their property, and they gave part of it, but they which was fine. There's no problem with that, by the way. And, and there was nothing wrong with what they gave, but they lied about it. They said we gave the whole thing. And dishonesty crept into that instance in the church. And um, the, This was the first, also the first instance of church discipline recorded in the New Testament. It took place in the form of a body bag. Do you think that God takes this pretty seriously, what's inside our heart? Now, I'm not saying that if you don't you know, give your tithes accurately, uh, God is going to strike you dead. Um, if that were the case, I think we'd have a, a lot of dead people in church. But I am saying that, that this is an important thing, that, that we treat this with integrity and in on, with honesty as well. Since those early days, we've seen many, many, many acts of incredible generosity and some corruption as well. And can I tell you something? Despite what you think or may believe, because of what's reported and what you hear about on the news and what you hear about um, on the internet, there are far more wonderful, amazing, generous things than the scandals that have been reported. And God has done incredible things throughout the church when his people are generous you may be seen the the fancy car or the million-dollar house that some pastor has uh, and for centuries actually the church itself has been criticized for having these elaborate buildings or maybe expensive sound systems in fact there's even a very popular Instagram channel dedicated to posting pictures of pastors wearing expensive tennis shoes now I am not willing to be the judge of how much a pastor should spend on his house or on his car or on his clothes. I'd prefer to leave that between them and the Lord and just be accountable for what God has given me. But the reality is, um, we the stories that we really don't hear are the churches and the church leaders that have been faithful in generosity, that have lived modest lives, that have honored the Lord as he's blessed them. In fact, in the state of Minnesota, we have close to 300 Assemblies of God churches. The vast majority of them have never in their history had a financial scandal. And if you're thinking, well, that's fine for small churches, but megachurch pastors, they're all crooks. I'd like to challenge that idea, too. In fact, uh, Rick Warren, who just recently retired, planted what has become one of the largest churches in America. It's called Saddleback Church. Um, and, and Rick has gone through a lot in ministry. In fact, um, he, he lost his son to suicide a few years ago, but he faithfully pastored for many years. And when his book, The Purpose Driven Life, took off, one of the first things he did was pay back all 25 years of salary that he had received from the church. And he stopped taking a salary from that day forward from the church. Didn't really change his lifestyle at all. In fact, it was reported by somebody that, that he drove a 12-year-old Ford as, as his vehicle. Now, why do I talk about all this stuff? Well, one of the main excuses why people don't give and don't tithe and don't support their local churches, they don't trust that the church is doing the right thing. And I want to talk this morning why your faithful giving matters and why it's so important to tithe. And I want you to have confidence that trusting God's word is not just an obedience thing, it's vitally important to the work of the ministry. Now, maybe you're sitting there thinking, hey, Paul, I get it, my church is important, but for me, 10% is a significant amount of money. Like, where am I supposed to find that extra money in the budget? And I I don't mean this to sound insensitive, but can I just be blunt for a second? And I'm asking that because I'm gonna do it anyway, but (laughs) it's only hard because you aren't doing it yet, okay? Once it becomes a practice and a habit, It gets much, much easier. Now, I understand making that leap can be an intimidating prospect, probably means some lifestyle changes initially. But I want to make the case that in our world today, we have it so much easier than God's people traditionally have. Uh, I want to talk about the three tithes in Scripture. Um, in, In fact, in the law, there were three tithes that were required. And the first was the Levitical tithe. This was the tithe that that we still encourage you to practice today. Uh, Numbers 18 tells us about this. It says, To the Levites, now the Levites were the tribe that was responsible for the temple work, I've given every tithe in Israel for an inheritance in return for the service that they do, their service in the tent of meeting, so that the people of Israel do not come near the tent of meeting, lest they bear sin... And die. But the Levites shall do the service of the tent of meeting, they shall bear their iniquity, and it shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations. And among the people of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. For the tithe of the people of Israel, which they present as a contribution to the Lord, I've given to the Levites for an inheritance. Therefore, I have said of them, that they shall have no inheritance among the people of Israel. So Moses was saying the Levites do the work of ministry in the tabernacle or in the temple eventually, and they deserve to be compensated for that. Now this would also cover the cost of the upkeep of everything that needed to happen at the tabernacle and eventually the temple. And Paul affirms this practice in, in 1 Corinthians 9 That just as Moses' law teaches that people deserve compensation for labor, ministers of the gospel deserve the same. Here's what it says. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much that we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Now people don't know this about Paul, but he operated as a missionary. So it wasn't like this is what you owe me. It was like he relied on people generously donating to his work. Verse 13, "Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple? Those who serve at the altar share the sacrificial offerings." In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. So this is the local church's responsibility. And and I want you to understand this, like having a local church that that offers a place to meet, that has pastors and staff to minister, that has ministries for all different groups and, and different ages, that all comes with a cost. And we share in that cost as partners. Nobody charged you dues when you walked in this morning. Um, we didn't, uh, you know, check the records and make sure that you paid enough to enter church today. Um, this is all done from a spirit of generosity inside your heart. It's you being obedient to what God has, has called you to do. But we're all affected when we, when we aren't faithful in that way. This is our church And so we have a responsibility. If you attend here, now if you don't attend here, there's no financial expectation whatsoever. We're so glad that you're here, and we welcome visitors on a regular basis. But if this is your church home, then you have a responsibility to this church family. And just as God is always faithful, we need to be faithful as well. Now, if you're struggling to believe that God is faithful, and you're struggling um, wrestling with that idea... I've got a testimony for you this morning. I'm going to ask Teresa to come and share uh, how God has been faithful to her, and we'll get to hear her story. Where did I put that microphone? Ha!
1: morning, and I just had on a little postcard, but I remembered that I was supposed to keep it to five minutes or less, so I figured i better write it down. So, um, you know, first of all, I don't apologize, and neither should our pastors, for talking about the tithe, because it is our duty, and it's our right to be able to do this. So, here we go. For Dean and I, tithing is not an option. It's a lifestyle. It is something that we do. The tithe belongs to God. We give him back to what he has blessed us with as an offering of thanksgiving and trusting him to continue to meet our needs. I do not um, attest to God's, uh, we, we can attest to God's faithfulness in this. We know, we know that tithing works. Psalms 1830 has become one of my favorites. God's way is perfect. All his promises prove true. When God says to bring all the tithes, it does not mean what's left over, but the first part. It does not mean to try it for 2 weeks to see if it works. Uh-uh. And when something else comes up to keep it for ourselves, uh-uh. He gives us an easy calculation, 10%. Easy. Bring the tithes. He says, if you do, I will pour out my blessings so great that you won't have room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test, he says in Malachi 3.10. Not my words. These are the words written in his book, Bible. In 1 Kings 17, I love this story. In, um, it's one of my favorites, and I'm hoping you never te- preach on it today or next week because this is, this is mine to talk about. <laughs> okay. God told Elijah that it wasn't going to rain for a few years. He was to go to Carithbrook where God would provide for him. He drank from the brook, and ravens brought him meat and bread morning and night. After the brook dried up, God sent him to Zarephath. There he saw a woman who he had told to bring him a cup of water. He said to this woman, bring me a cup of water. And while she was going to get it, he told her, and bring me some bread. She had no bread in her house, but was on her way to gather sticks to to provide her last meal for her and her son. And then she said, and then we're gonna die. It was dire. She had nothing. Um, There was only a handful of flour in a bit of oil on the bottom of the jar. Nothing would be left. But Elijah said, bring it to me first. Sounds a little selfish, doesn't it? But Elijah knew. Nothing would have been left. Her sources would have been gone, dried up. I'm sure she sat with her, her oil. You know how we do with our, with our oil trying to get the very end? Well, imagine what she did. She probably took her flour and probably put it in there just to get the very last bit of what she had. And then he told the woman, do not be afraid. Make me a little bread first. Then make some for you and your son. The Lord says there will be flour and oil left until the drought is over. She did as Elijah said. And all three of them ate for days and days and days until the rain came. Hmm. The widow was obedient, trusting the word of God. She gave to him first and brought Elijah water and bread. She saw the miracle happen right before her eyes. It multiplied. Gene was saved six months before me. He went to a church service that I refused to go to. I had given him our last $10 to buy a bag of dog food for our two St. Bernards. Can you imagine having $10 being able to buy a bag of dog food (laughs) today? He heard the word at the church service, he trusted God and gave the money to the church. I was beside myself (laughs) thinking that the church and pastor just wanted to get rich off of our ten (laughs) dollars. Six months later, I got saved and heard the truth about tithing. Immediately, and I mean immediately, we became tithers. We learned to give and trust God to provide. We knew what it felt like to be in famine. I hated to answer the phone because the creditors were calling, yet we continued to tithe. There was definitely more month than money in our lives. Peanut butter became my symbol of hope and God's protection. We never told anyone that we what we were going through. They didn't know that we had a financial problem. Nobody. We didn't tell anybody. One night, my parents came over with a couple bags of groceries. I felt so blessed. The one thing we really needed, though, was not in the bag. What I really needed and wanted was a jar of peanut butter. Again, without saying a word, a bag of groceries showed up with, you guessed it, there was peanut butter in the bag i knew god had heard and answered my prayer during this time i found every scripture on god's provision that i could find it is so easy today google it
0: <laughs>
1: find scriptures and let them sink down into your heart day and night i meditated and i believed god Faith rose in my heart when I read those those scriptures on giving and tithing. And it became part of what I believed and part of who we were. We gave when we had nothing left over. It didn't matter. We still first gave with what God had already given to or what he had given to us. We saw God move. Money came in the mailbox with no name. A $20 bill was in the back of a model trailer that we had inscribed Jesus is Lord. I shopped at garage sales for kids' clothes and put away toys for Christmas that I had found. This was before garage sales and thrift shopping was even popular. We remained faithful in giving, and he remembered he remained faithful in his providing. God provided job changes and promotions. All his promises proved true to us. God will use who he wants and who he wants to bless us with. The tithe is for you. It's not for God. Think about that. It's for you. He set up the tithe, yes, to feed, but the tithe and his promises are to us. He fed Elijah by sending ravens to to bring him food. I don't know how he did it, and I'm not sure I would have wanted to eat it, but if you're hungry, you'll eat anything. Um, But don't be afraid of the future. You know, there's a lot in our future right now. There's a lot of people in fear. But you know what? We serve a God who's bigger than any financial situation out there. He said, put me to the test. Try me. I dare you. I hope that you can find the scriptures and a symbol of hope like my jar of peanut butter has reminded me of. I've given many jars of peanut butter away. And I have a few jars of peanut butter, so if anybody needs a jar of peanut butter, you come to me. (laughs) Um, My God will supply all my need according to his riches and glory, which has been given to us by Jesus Christ, Philippians 4.19. I challenge you to put God to the test. Tithe, don't give up.
0: That's That's a good kind of peanut butter too. That's just peanuts, right? They just blend it up. It's not like Skippy or Jif where it's 90% sugar. (laughs) My kids, we, we buy real peanut butter too, and, and they're like, can we just get the good kind? <laughs> We're not giving up on that one. Oh, that's an incredible, powerful testimony. I love that story. So good. So good. Yes? Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Oh, wow. <laughs> this just took a dark turn. <laughs> oh. Well, praise the Lord. Listen, uh, so that's the first tithe, um, the, the Levitical tithe. That's, that's what we encourage you to give and, and to practice that. The second tithe that Scripture talked about was actually for the feasts, fact Deuteronomy 14 22 says you shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from your field year by year and before the Lord your God in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there you shall eat the tithe of your grain of your wine of your oil of the firstborn of the herd of your flock and you may learn to fear the Lord your God always and it goes on to describe that a little bit more but this tithe would have been a tithe where you set this money aside, or you set this food aside, or these animals aside for the different feasts that Israel celebrated each year. And in other words, it was almost like a savings plan. Uh, Now this was, if you go to verse 27, it says, and you shall not neglect the Levite who is within your towns, for he has no portion or inheritance with you. So it's very clear from Scripture that this is in addition to the first tithe, not a replacement. And it would allow families to attend the feasts in Jerusalem each year, which were very important spiritual occasions. They weren't just a party. All right? they, were, um, they were actually remembering certain moments in history. One of those feasts was Passover, which we kind of talked about a couple of weeks ago on Good Friday. And that was an important part of, of their worship to the Lord. Um, now, this principle, even though we don't necessarily have you tithe anymore, because the party on the patio doesn't cost 10% of your income. You can come for $5, okay? But that's that's our version of a feast. But um, it's still an important principle to observe, because um, even though we don't practice celebrating those feasts anymore, um, the underlying principle is that vacation is an important thing, and specifically. Uh, vacation that has an investment in your spiritual growth. Now, I know that it is expensive to go on vacation. Uh, We just took our family down to Arizona over spring break. Uh, We used all the tricks. We flew out on a Tuesday, came back on a Wednesday. Uh, We stayed free with family for most of the time that we were there. And you know what? It was still expensive, right? It was an investment in the health of our family. But we also invest in our family's spiritual health as well. Like We're going to family camp later uh, this year. We're going to go up to Lake Geneva. We're going to spend a few days worshiping together. They have amazing kids' services while we're there, and our kids get poured into. Um, We're also sending our kids to kids' camp. And In fact, you probably saw the table back there with the plants as you were coming in. Our kids are selling plants to help raise money for, for camp scholarships because we believe in that investment. Listen, I will always have room in my budget to send my kids to kids' camp and youth camp. Because I know the value that those camps provide and those opportunities for our kids to grow spiritually as they're poured into throughout that week. We need to invest in the spiritual health of our families as well. And that's really what this was about. They were saving up for these feasts because these feasts were important times of spiritual growth in community as they worship the Lord together. There are so many different ways you can invest in your spiritual growth. There are conferences, there are retreats, there are classes, there are a lot of things that you can do for no cost at all, and it's an amazing opportunity, but you need to be investing in your spiritual health. So that's the second tithe. The third tithe was a tithe for the poor. This one is uh, talked about in in the next couple of verses, in verse 28 of Deuteronomy 14, says, at the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up with your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you and the sojourner, the fatherless and the widow who are within your towns shall come and eat and be filled that the Lord may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. So this happened every three years and it was an additional 10%. So during that one year, you would actually... End up 30% of everything that you earned or everything that you grew or everything that you raised would go um, to these different areas. Now, here's the deal we live in a very affluent nation in the United States. Poverty in America is wealth around the world. But that being said, we still have some needs in our community. And from time to time, um, somebody will come to the church with a need, and, and we actually have a team of people that. We'll review those requests and um, look at it as if this is something that, that we can help with. And that's an important part of our ministry as a church. But the far greater need right now isn't necessarily in our community, it's all around the world. This is our call to missions in some ways. We as a church have dug water wells in Africa, we've fed the hungry in Southeast Asia. We've built dormitories for Bible colleges in third world countries, some of the most impoverished areas in the world. And we're doing this all in partnership with the gospel message. So we don't just build a well, we build it next to a church so people can come and get real water and leave with living water, right? We don't just build a building in Africa, we, we make it possible for a pastor Who's given their life to ministry to get the training that he needs so he can go back to his hometown and plant a church where there are no Christians? And we've seen 10,000 churches planted in Tanzania as a result of this process over the last 10 years. Now, generosity is something that is, is a foundation of this church. But I, I want to just share a couple of stories this morning. I have a friend who a couple of years ago was struggling to tithe, and he, he goes to a different church. He had multiple conversations with his pastor about it, but he wouldn't do it. And eventually, he started tithing, and, and God started blessing him financially. And this past year, he had a good year financially, and as a result, he made a large, generous donation to their church's missions project and helped... Um, and as a result of that donation, he got to go on a, a trip to Africa to see uh, what he was a part of sponsoring. This year, he made a commitment that was triple what he, he gave in the previous year. The Lord honored his generosity. And, and I believe that it's because he proved that he was going to be faithful with what God had entrusted him with, that God is entrusting him with even more. Now, As a reminder, this is after the tithe is done. So some of you in here have already begun and established that practice of tithing and you're faithful in that, and that's an awesome, awesome start. Now what's next for you? Listen, I don't believe that God allows us to be stagnant. He's always causing us to grow, and that means growing in our ability to be generous and growing in our ability to be faithful with what God has trusted us with. A couple of years ago, um, Laura has this thing that she does called Teachers Pay Teachers, and it's where you create these resources online, and um, different teachers can buy them as a resource for their classroom. And, and she's done this for for a long time. And a couple of years ago, God spoke to her and said, "I want you to give everything you make from Teachers Pay Teachers this year to speed the light, every every dollar." And um, so she said, okay, I'm going to do that for an entire year. And we committed to that. And um, we saw that online store triple in value in that year. We were able to give thousands of dollars as a result of this thing, when, when in the past, it, it, we, it was less than $1,000 that it made all year. And God really honored that. And um, during this process, uh, I was driving a car. Uh, you guys got to ex- see my, my old Saturn, uh, and it was hanging on for dear life. And I needed a new vehicle, and I knew it. But we, we prayed a prayer while that was happening that we said, Okay, um, God, would you just make this thing last? Like, would you just give us another year? And then it would make it another year. And thanks to our amazing mechanic, Joe Muchko, there's an advertisement. <laughs> we just kept it going and going. When we retired that thing, it had 250000 miles on, on this car, not dollars, miles, over 250,000 miles on this junky little Saturn. And it was such a blessing from God. And we had made that commitment for one year, and then when that year was over, we, we used that, that money, which again doubled, uh, to pay for a, a new car and... and new as in a a used car, but I was able to pay cash for that car in that moment. We didn't want to have a car payment at that time. And as soon as as that happened, we made a new commitment and we pledged uh, the biggest pledge we've ever made to our missions program here at West Point Church. And we used that money to to pay for our our missions pledge. And God has continued to honor it. It's continued to grow. Uh, and, And I'm not saying this so that you think, okay, well, okay, if I tried this with a little bit and then God's just going to make me rich as I continue to give. Listen, that's not the point. We never expected anything from this. But we were faithful with what God told us to do and he's blessed it as a result. And that's that's a pattern in his word. He's promised it time and time again. Listen, the blessing that you receive might not be a financial one, but I promise you if you're faithful to God and you trust him with everything in your life, including your finances, he's going to bless you. He's going to bless you. So I want to just pray this morning. Lord, I just thank you for your blessing in our life. I thank you for everything that you've given to us. Thank you that you are always faithful and that we can trust you. Lord, that we don't have to fear what happens tomorrow because you are our greatest resource. Lord, you have everything that we need. Lord, you've promised be faithful to us. So, Lord, we're dependent on that today. Lord, we want to honor you with everything that you've given us, and we thank you for your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.